Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and best of all, it's totally free zero catch we've been using it ever since we started how long gone and ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having the option of turning off the q a's and the polls on the user dashboard <laughs> has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level i highly recommend giving it a try download the spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started Oh, hello, Chris. How are you? TJ, I'm great. Um, you know, just watching the drama in Washington unfold, um, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you about it immediately, but unfortunately, we only podcast three times a week. What's going on over there? Well, it seems that a group of Duck Dynasty cast members have descended mm-hmm. on the Capitol building, and they've done, it seems like to me, a lot of methamphetamine. And then scaled a wall and then stormed inside just to kind of like wreak havoc. But they're not like doing much. You know what I mean? They're just kind of mucking around in the building they shouldn't be in. The thing I've taken away the most from all this is I do miss Duck Dynasty. What a simpler time that was. I mean, they truly are the face of Realtree. Hopefully streetwear has replaced them. Yeah, that was back when looking like that was kind of endearing, you know? And now looking like that, you are the enemy. You're the enemy to Democrats and to deer. Exactly. And to ducks. You know, there was a plot line on Duck Dynasty where they did make their own duck calls. So I just want to, you know, I, I did watch the program a little bit in my in my time. Thanks, thanks for calling it a program. I think that's what every episode was about, was them just whittling duck calls. It's been a twisted couple days, you know, in Georgia... You know, things are fucking lit because the the Senate was one for the Democratic Party. Shout out to, you know, John Ossoff, who's probably six and a half, uh, but because he's a politician, he's a nine, you know, classic shit. And then, you know, Reverend Warnock. Are you saying that because you're seeing people talk about he how he's bae? Yeah, he's the he's the male AOC. Mm. Like and he's also he's also Jewish, which chicks love, too. So it's a it's a big combo. Mm. You know, what I like about him is that that he is a real local. He went to the very expensive private school, Paideia. Um, his wife is a doctor at Emory, so he's a real ATLian. You know what I'm saying? So I can I can support him. Unfortunately, down there at Emory, Emory Hospital. Unfortunately, he does read Pitchfork, um, which is kind of annoying to me. And he also fired shots at podcasters in 2014, which I shared with you yesterday. So <laughs> it is it is fuck Ossoff on this side, but also he needed to win, so I'm happy for him. So Damn. so all that big news happening in Georgia yesterday was overshadowed by by the QAnon raid of a, a building. Um, and the police just kind of stand there and letting them do it. And the, f- the footage was absolutely fucking twisted. Like my dad and I were watching it and he was like, damn, this is fucked up. Yeah. I wonder what it must feel like to be 
like old. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, when we were hanging out watching college football, I. I, I sent shots to your dad's fitted about his age, and he didn't like that too much. Uh, he I, did not like. I thought that was going to be a playful joke. If you send shots at my dad's Braves fitted, it's <laughs> on site for you. You ain't good anywhere in Decatur, Jason. You already know that. An obsession, with, <laughs> an obsession with, with youth and vitality. It runs in the family, is what it sounds like. Not to get red table on him. Don't get red. Table. Welcome to the fucking table, sis. Uh, but yeah, anyway, you know, we're 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 not a very political podcast, but it's the only thing going on right now. Besides, <laughs> but the but the best the part best thing out. But the best thing out is that that Ariel Pink and John Mouse, two Pitchfork darlings. I bet Ossoff's fan, a fan actually. Mm-hmm. He probably had to cancel. He probably had to take down some tweets. Were were seen at the rally. They weren't storming. You know, they didn't they didn't bust through. Um, yeah, they were just there to observe, which, you know, I get is, that, I guess. But where does Ariel Pink live? Like, he doesn't live in D.C., does he? Did he have to drive down from New York or fly in from L.A. No, to go I, do I, that? I think, yeah, I think he flew in from L.A. He's, I think he's a Cali boy till the casket drops. And he's he's like a rich kid, right? That's the story that he he's he's like a, a one of those random freaks who grew up in Beverly Hills and was just like a drug addict. And you know what I love is an ugly rich, a, ugly rich kid. Like that's my favorite. Like how did this happen to you, bro? Come on, you talking about Scott Disick's son like that? Come on, Scott Disick's son is already doing coke. No question. I've said this on the record. And I'm going to say it again. He's doing coke. He's just fat. He's not ugly. He's not fat. He's just ugly. Ariel Pink looks crazy. Ariel Pink looks fucking crazy. He does. And like heroin, heroin usually makes you look hot. (laughs) Well, he, he's got, he's got more of a meth. He looks dusted. Ariel Pink looks like (laughs) a guy who dropped out of college to work at Urban Outfitters to me a little bit. Like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's the, that's the vibe on him. But I've also never, I probably know more of Jamiroquai's music than I do Ariel Pink. I never listened to Ariel Pink, and that that's that seems kind of odd considering he was. I, I agree. What What do you think? Do you Do you think that you had the the presence of mind subconsciously early on to know that he was going to come out and be canceled? You wanted to get out ahead of it. I mean, I am a genius, but no, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I think I just I, some 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 music of that era. It's kind of like Animal Collective to me. Like I just mm. kind of missed it. Even though I'm, people are like, it's so good, and I'm sure it is good. Like, I'm sure Ariel Pink's got some great songs the same way Animal Collective does, but I just never really sat down and, and dug into the catalog. Yeah, I think I think Ariel Pink, I, I never really listened to him either, and I think he's one of those guys where if you asked me to name one of his songs, I could not. But if you played me five songs and told me this was Ariel Pink, I'd be like, holy shit, I, I absolutely know all of these songs. But just never... Yes, yes. One yes, of those yes, blind yes, spots. Yes. I actually used to book ariel pink i was i knew this was i knew this was i i knew that you had definitely done a bump and shared a pbr in a can with ariel pink (laughs) at at an at an la nightclub definitely definitely the edm community's smelliest person i've ever come across and i don't you know take with that information what you will is he a guy who shows up is he like a vinyl head he's definitely a vinyl head I mean, this was this was a long time ago. This is this is like this is pre Serato, probably, or just the the at the birth of Serato. You know, do you remember where you were when Serato was born? When that little Serato popped out? Do you think Serato was a C section or a natural birth? I mean, at the time, I was rejoicing. Little did I know that w- it would have become my nine eleven when the when the, when the cursed rain brand R A N E created that monster known as Serato. Shout out to everyone listening who has no idea what we're talking about. It's it's a DJ software, but yeah, he's stinky, stinky little cat. Couldn't get near the booth, but uh, we you know we don't wish him well, and we don't we don't wish him well. Fuck Ariel Pink. 
Uh, John Mouse, I don't really understand what he's doing. I feel like he's trolling. I don't really. Again, he has one song that I know. I, I, I'm glad it wasn't like some big indie indie rock acts that I truly love because there's a lot of those. You know what I mean? I'm glad it wasn't Dead Mouse. <sighs> yeah, that's the, the the mouse we need to save is mm. is the dead one. Who who has been oddly silent the last 48 hours? Uh, it's it's definitely to demand comment. We need to demand comment from Mouse, brother Mouse. Brother Mouse, come. What is his real name? Do you know his real name? Uh, I, I did at some point, and I think my my mental recycling bin emptied that trash a while. No, 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 no. Wait, is it? Joel? You know who else, Jason? You, it might be Joel. Sound, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's sounds like a pussy. That's all that matters. Um, you know who else has come out and and really won today is is Anton Newcomb, um, from Brian Jonestown Massacre, who's absolutely assassinating Ariel Pink on Twitter in a very funny way. He's the um, new uh, singer of Eve 6 on Twitter. But the, the weird part about it is when I used to book Ariel Pink, here we go. I would book him and Anton together to DJ. They were they, boys. And they were, were they, yeah, they would DJ together. And they, they, let me tell you, they have turned. Let me tell you something, Jason. Uh-oh. You probably know this, but you know, drugs. Maybe with some band drama. Well, no, no, no. Drugs make you hang out with people you might not otherwise hang out with. You know what I mean? If it, if you're, if you're in a, if you're in a who, who club, amongst us, I know. On you, this podcast, has that happened to though? You know, definitely. I mean, not me. Honestly, I did a pretty good job. But you know, if you're a heroin guy and you find another heroin guy and mm-hmm. you both like. You like both play vinyl and smoke cigarettes. You're gonna kind mm-hmm. of you're gonna you're gonna come together in a sea of EDM losers. You know what I mean? You're gonna you both know Steve Aoki. Exactly. You both have an independent relationship with Steve, um, <laughs> and you want to bond over over the dog food. You know, I, I I think I understand why you did that, and I also understand why they did like each other, and now they they do mm-hmm. not. So bond, oh yeah, bonded by that that pandemic. Yeah, it'll yeah, it'll make exactly. a it'll make a player do some strange things. You know what? You know what? Honestly, I'm just I'm you know Dando made it through unscathed so far. That's all I care about. That that's the only that's the only long haired guitar guy I could see fucking yeah. up at this stage in his career. <laughs> but I want to know now. So like if the if out of nowhere the Eve Six guy can can cruise cruise up to Twitter and just become everyone's favorite person overnight. Now Anton from Brian Jonestown Massacre following suit. Who who's next on the bingo card of musicians who made music many moons ago who are just gonna come out and start ripping on Twitter? It could be anyone. I mean, we're we're truly everyone's at their fucking wits end and these the Twitter fingers are absolutely lighting up. I would like it for I would like for it to be like a rapper, maybe. That'd be a nice twist. DJ Quick comes out. Yeah, DJ Quick. DJ DJ Quick is a Trump supporter, and <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. That'd be he's kind of nice with a pen. That, that'd be really good, actually. It, yeah, I, that'd be really good. That's a good. I, I don't know. I mean, I think we could flip a coin, but we do. We do uh, have a guest today, Big TJ. So soon? Wow, the time she ticks away. Well, when there's real news to talk about, and not just us going on a road trip, it, it you know things are things things happen. Finally, something uh, something bumped us from the top Some- trend, trending subjects on Twitter. Exactly. Like yes, um, we get it. We guys, we went on a road trip. We, Jesus. we do have a guest today. Uh, Nick Weidenfeld uh, is a is a guy that I met recently through um, Caitlin from Racket, also friend of a former guest and how long gone graduate Nomi Fry. Um, mm-hmm. he is a, he's a big dog. This motherfucker's got an Emmy player. We ain't got no Emmys. What? Yeah. This motherfucker got two Emmys. Um, two? he's worked 
Two, he's yeah, yeah. He 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 was a led led program development for Cartoon Network Adult Swim, which was you know a big deal. Mm. He he headed up Viceland. He's he's a part of the Time Crisis Network and mm-hmm. third Mike on the show. He's an avid tennis player. He just moved to the beautiful Sea Ranch community in Northern California. Um, sea Ranch. Which I'm very interested in talking about because he was when when him and I were getting to know each other, he was encouraging me to come visit. But it's such a fucking haul from like everywhere. Damn. It was a little complicated, but I will make it up there. Yeah, you know you're killing it when you when you're talking on the phone with somebody. He's like, we got to get you down to the ranch. Man. Well, Sea Ranch is a is a he'll, he'll explain it to you, but it's a, it's an interesting like beautiful yeah. pre planned community. Uh, on, oh, it's a community on the water, a community. And I, you know what, Jason? Nothing I love more than being part of a community. I think you can agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like um, like Donald Glover, all those guys, they fucking rock. Yeah. I think, <laughs> shut up. God damn it. I love Chevy Chase, bro. He's fire. Um, Yo, fuck Chevy. <laughs> fuck Chevy Chase. It's on site if I see Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. But um. Okay, let, let's call Nick. But also, while we have you, please check out our uh, our crossover episode with our friends at uh, at uh, Powerful Truth Angels, Maddie mm-hmm. Matheson, who you know from this show, and Alex Big Dog Two Tone. Um, mm-hmm. We had a, we had a great time on their show. And not only can you listen to it, Jason, but you can look at it. You can see all four of us just in conversation talking about important topics like running playlists, uh, cooking. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Dre having orgies before he had an aneurysm. Um, mm-hmm. Different materials that cutting boards can be made out of. The list goes on. Exactly. Yeah, go check that out on YouTube. Go check that out wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, etc. Mm. Uh, but let's let's give our guest, uh, Nick, a, a jingle and find out what he's been up to. Fuck yes. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, our listeners, 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long that's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert how long gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. as you know you know hair thinning is quite complicated like your skin hair is a reflection of your health Uh oh and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole-body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with 
considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code How Long, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. How Long Gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. You were asking me about how I like to podcast without being able to look at people. And that is something that is the opposite of what I grew up podcasting with. Because I, I used to think that you have to be in the same room as somebody to get the energy and the vibe, blah, blah, blah. And if it's over the phone, then it's just going to be a bad convo. But... I, I, I prefer the other way because if I'm going to be listening to a podcast... Basically, I've changed Jason's life yet again with introducing this loose style of podcasting that was a... a, a, a you can't take credit for that. I can I, I won't take credit for it, but I did do it. And and it's it's um it's it's really it's made us made us more available to our guests, but we rarely look at I mean Jason, when's the last time we looked at somebody? It's pretty rare. I like to I guess my I'm able to kind of wander off and you know really get lock into something if i'm not looking at like a picture of myself looking at you making sure that you like this joke that i'm saying make sure that chris isn't looking at instagram too much you know it's it's there's too many what, what do you mean bro hold on <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things that you could be distracted by as i've been a podcast listener a host an editor a producer all those things I try to imagine putting myself into the listener side of it. So when I edit a podcast, I try to wear Apple earbuds like the way I would listen to it. And I try to have the set and setting of like how I would want to listen to it. I just try to make it as as much of an organic listening experience mm. as possible. Do you think it would be do you think it would be even better for you if you could walk around like you were like on a hike and doing this and you were yeah, definitely, totally. definitely. And uh, yeah, um, so. the only, you know, that until Elon Musk invents some type of technology that allows a, an audio recording of me walking around to sound good, 
and that's never that's not going to happen unfortunately but maybe that's maybe that's our next step i love to pace when i talk you know i'm on when i'm rolling calls and making deals you know i can be found you know pacing around my suite here at my parents house um just you know like like I'm in like I'm literally running the floor at William Morris. Uh, yeah, Nick, you I, you don't understand, Nick. He has the whole top floor to himself, like a grown up, and he's able to kind of he has the bathroom and he can kind of walk around and do all that stuff. Well, I know you got that treadmill desk that you had sent to your mom's house. I know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had the treadmill desk sent. It does raise and lower, so if I need to take a little break, I can. But I didn't know. I are, how is your work going remote? Because now I, I I mentioned this in the intro, but you. You relocated your family to a beautiful pre-planned community in Northern California. <laughs> I do. You could almost say it's a retirement community. Could you explain? Because I think a lot of people cool. maybe have seen pictures of Sea Ranch and have heard the the lore and the tale. But if you could explain to people what it is, because I'm really fascinated with it. It's just r- really far away for me. And, and also, like, what level of Scientology are you on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> let's go uh all right so basically so i'm in this area that's in sonoma county it's about three hours north of san francisco i live in los angeles my family we all live in los angeles and have been there for about 10 years mm-hmm. moving from you know atlanta georgia as you know that's where we can get into it but i was in atlanta uh which uh i know is very close to your heart chris where you may actually be right now Yes. No, I am here right now. I am here right now. It's not just close to my heart. I'm physically here right now. So, and I can go, I can talk through a bit of that. You want to know what's so, this is going to really drive me fucking nuts. And when we talk about my work, uh, is that I'm going to have to figure out how to have all these dings and, and shit go away because the computer is hooked up to the phone. And now my son is on, um, he's in, he's in a, uh, he's on his lunch break. And this is where every kid, cause I'm not going to get him a phone. Every kid is, is texting him to, uh, play Minecraft. Cause that's what happens in the, so I'm going to, and the thing is that these kids have no manners. And so when I don't pick up, they just call, they just, they, my son calls it spamming, I guess. I don't know if that's what the, whatever post Gen Z. That sounds like a reasonable use of the term. Yeah, it is. I think. He's like, so they'll just call and call and call these parents until they, they pick up the phone. I mean, it's so, and you can edit this out, but it, it this may drive me so nuts that I have to take a moment well, and tell my son, you know, to, I think we can do, um, I mean, you can go onto your computer into the system preferences. Yeah. And then go to notifications, and then uh, you might be able to put. By the way, you can also keep it. I've listened to enough that I know you, you don't have like a lot of dad talk on your. Uh... No, we've actually had some dad talk in the beginning, and I love, I, I, you know, I love dad talk because I don't like kids and I don't have any. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting to get into it. And, um... I, and, and I don't have a dad. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so we got there's no kid there's no children <laughs> nick are nick are you my new papa <laughs> nick i want minecraft tj want minecraft <laughs> look babe, baby know how to disable notifications on um on yes. big computer this is like this is truly a dad son moment son would uh-huh. you tell me how to mm-hmm. <laughs> how to yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of so my notifications it- yeah, once you're in those notifications, then, you know, you can... So what do I do? I go to System Preferences. Yeah, and then Notifications. All right, so I'm going to get in System Preferences. I'm going to know. should be on the top right. It's a bell icon. Yup. And Hold then... On. Oh, shit, what happened? Hold on. Oh. And then, by the way, we can get... I, like, Papa, no. Papa, Papa, no. This is literally what it's... <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is like... I'm on usually the 
the TJ side of this with dealing with my parents. So this is really, really wild. So yeah, so notifications. I love a full circle moment. Yeah, notifications, and then what? So then you're you're Off. getting your little dings from what, like I, from messages? Yeah, from messages. Okay, well then you can just do, um, you know, you can just go down to messages, and then you can change the settings there. So where it oh. says play sound for notifications, you can just uncheck that box. Sure, I'm just I'm getting out of every notification on this. Or you can just. The thing that says allow notifications to the top, you can just slide that bar over. And this is normally content that I would edit out of the podcast, but I think it's important to take a peek behind the curtain. This is huge. I I love to to break, you know, to speak in Nick terms, I love breaking the fourth wall. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And as a, as a, anyway, look, before we get into your illustrious Emmy winning TV career, I would love to talk about Sea Ranch. Yeah. And and fatherhood. If we have to get into fatherhood, I guess we can, but Sea Ranch is top of the list. Well, look, it's going to dovetail a bit using TV (laughs) language. I'm just going to hit you with every kind of cliche (laughs) TV. Please do, please do. We love Hollywood here. We're looking to break in. We'll get some tips later. Go ahead, go ahead with the dovetails are in my wheelhouse. I love that. (laughs) So, okay, so in LA, about ten years, started coming up to this place that's about eight hours north of Los Angeles, driving in uh, Sonoma, and it's called the Sea Ranch, and it was a planned community back in the '60s, like a bunch of environmentalists and architects from sort of Berkeley area sort of bought all this land and started building a a space that they thought would be a really interesting public-private space that built homes that were sort of integrated into the land and sort of use the land. It's all along the cliffs. It's sort of very big little lies vibe. In my, the way I would, beautiful. The way I would describe it is it's sort of like it is big, sir, except low key. So it's like, there's just not that many people. I think for, for most people, because it's three hours north of San Francisco, it's just like an hour too far for Mm -hmm. most people. So it's actually quite quiet and it's just on like, I don't know, 35 miles of hiking trails and everything is very private. So we've been coming up here for, you know, off and on for like 10 years. And and when you came, did you just get it like a rental Airbnb yeah. or something like Airbnb, that? Airbnb. And it's like so, so surprisingly cheap when you'd come up and you'd get this like really beautiful sort of modern home that on the water and you're looking at it, something that is cheaper than an Airbnb in like Echo Park. You know what I mean? And you're in, what is and, and the the, the architecture <laughs> style though? There is like a look to it. It's kind of like that, like like uh, sea sea dusted, like Hamptons clapboard. Like you know what I mean? It's what's the what's very the term? specifically? It's at this point, honestly, it's called the Sea Ranch style. It's a uh, wow, must be nice. It must, slow down, like slow down Sea Ranch. Slow it's, down. It's a, but it is. Um, it's basically all redwood, right? You're in the redwood forest, okay. so all the homes are these redwood built homes. And, you know, it's very sustainable. It is. It's sustainable. It's and it's honestly, it's beautiful. It's like you're in the redwoods or you're on the on the coast in the water. And it's like very has that. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, kind of like has that violent, you know, cliffs, you know, like cliffs edge that's just Mm -hmm. giants. It's really gets you hard as a rock, probably. doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I walk outside just (laughs) diamond. (laughs) (laughs) So so but you've. You you were visiting for a while. You liked yeah. it, but then and then the pandemic during, during oh. big COVID hit, and Daddy pulled the trigger. Well, yeah. So you know, Daddy pulled the trigger. I think that <laughs> we. So yeah, he qu- said, "I want that real thing. I want that real C." <laughs> Quarantine hits, 
And we're in our house, and we have a lovely house in L.A., and it's... but it started to get smaller and smaller and the anxiety was mounting, you know, like we go outside and you just see all these people and they're basically Runyon Canyon, which is a, it's a big sort of hiking area that TJ and maybe you even know about Chris Mm -hmm. closed down and they turned our neighborhood. We're just sort of right into the Hills in Hollywood. All the people that would go to Runyon just started walking in our neighborhood and it became, and it became like really, I don't know. It was just not, it was an intense place to be. And when you have an eight year old kid, you're like, this kid can't leave the house. And he's on zoom school all day long. And I'm in work. I'm working on my computer with a kid who's on a computer. It just started getting really claustrophobic. So mm-hmm. we were like, we got to get out of here. And we rented a place. Uh, and especially the people that usually hike run in are kind of like LA's worst. You know? Oh yeah. And that's not what you want to see when you look out your window every day is just, no. you know, terrible TikTokers wearing head to toe essentials gear. It is well put because that turned our, our our neighborhood turned into that so quickly and it was so weird and well yeah so we came up here just like long story short we came up here and we were renting a place and an Airbnb for like we're like we'll do two months kids out of school we'll just be up here and then we're like you know what it's too hot in LA to go back. And the house sort of next door went up for sale and we just bought the house here and we haven't been back. Damn. You haven't even been back. So where are you getting? Is there an air one up there? Or like, what's the deal? <laughs> there's not only is there no air one. There's the food is food is tough. It's hard. It's about a 15 minute drive. There's one, there's one <laughs> food is scarce. So you're, you're literally, I moved to this beautiful pre-planned community. Food is scarce, yeah. but the views are amazing. Nick, you've, you have slimmed down since you've moved I, there I have, because the, <laughs> I, I assume the rations are low. The rations are low. I mean, I'm, I'm eating these RX bars. Uh, <laughs> I'm surviving only on RX yeah. bars and ocean water. It's really tough up here. Uh, no, there's a, there's a, there's, <laughs> A, there's a grocery store that's actually like a really amazing sort of like local organic natural fruits grocery store. And that's mm-hmm. really it. But you know, you're, you're su- supporting Sea Ranch, but also Gualala, which is the t- town over. So, you know, you got, you go in once a week, you buy your stuff and you come back. It's a pretty, uh, to be honest, mm-hmm. it's like a very simple life. Like, but there is, there's no Uber Eats. There's no, you know, there's no, mm-hmm. uh, Whole Foods delivery. Um, but, oh, but you know, but so it's this like, sounds like jail, but you know what I'm saying? That's how LA is kind of surviving. Well, where do you get acai bowls? Yeah. Where do you get a, sm- a $25 smoothie with lion's mane? I, I'm making, I'm making my own smoothies. Okay. So you, so this is, so he this is the, again. this is the 2020. That's a flex. I, I, I have it a is funny. I, I, I'm really, now I'm kind of worried about sort of the perception. We've started this thing with my sort of like moving up and, but I, it is, I'm in the woods. No. And also I, I will say this when you're like, it's pre-planned. It is pre-planned. It's a pre-planned community, but one of, it is mostly like octogenarians. They have, and Chris will appreciate that. It is Nick truly, said what? What is that word that you just said? It's Jason. Not, Jason doesn't not so smart. He said a, a, for him. It's, a it's vet, not veterinarian. Even, it's not even geriatrics. It's not even old people. It's like very specific. They're like extra eight, old. They're extra old people. I'm with like eighty something year old people, and Chris will appreciate this. One of the reasons I I was like, oh, it's going to be so lovely to move here is I, I really. Uh, I, I discovered uh, playing tennis a couple years ago, and I really got like very, very heavy into it. And um, I love. I was like, I'm gonna play all the time. And Sea Ranch has what I would think is probably considered the most beautiful public courts in all of California, maybe in the country. 
And it's, it's true. It's, it, it is, but it's not, and it's not just me saying that. Like there's, mm. it's truly absolutely immaculate. And I got up here and there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no one for me to play with. Because everybody's eighty years old, mm, I they're have, all fucking dead. I have. I, so you're hitting. A, so you're hitting balls against a wall. Actually, no. I have. I have one. Uh, one old man friend that I play with, uh, but he can't. He can't run to a lot of the balls. So it's like we get mm-hmm. sort of like a thing going. I am doing. I got a ball machine. If you're be. If we're being honest, that's great. Because yeah. I, you know, I Jason and I play each other a lot, and it's very similar. He can't get to. He's a great player, but he can't move that well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's not a big mover. And um, and if Chris ever learned how to hit the balls on the other sides, like down the lines, it will become a a, a problem for me. But I still it will be a challenge. It's still fine. So yeah, so you've got the ball machine. You got one old friend that hopefully he teaches you lessons about life, and you yes. teach him. You run him around a little bit. Well, yeah. This is when I when I played tennis before. I don't know if you guys uh, play with other people or have, but you know, part of like. Mm-hmm. Like my life with how, you know, I have played with an older guy, I, but no, but like when I would play in LA, part of like the way you sort of approach is like, I love the social aspect of it, but like, I got a kid, I got a job. And when I go play tennis, I'd be like, all right, let's like, we'll chat for a bit and then we play, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, we got an hour and a half and we need to take advantage of this time. When I played with these guys up here, I was having to do like 45 minutes, like an hour of talking and just mm-hmm. catching up. And I, and if I honestly, when I was like, I got a job, they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to go. And I, huh? and so I had to kind of like really pair back. And these guys, and the, the, the guys, that, they were so nice that I played with. But it's true, like, their way of living is different than, than ours. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're yes. you know, they're slowed down. And they're on they're on ranch hours, and yeah. you have to adapt to them, not the other way around. Exactly. So, so you got you show up, you chat for forty five minutes, you start warming up, and then they're like, "Okay, sandwich break. I need crackers." <laughs> you're Jewish, yeah. And then you gotta eat a sandwich, and then you're like, "Oh, my kid, I gotta go pick him up from forest school," and then the whole day's <laughs> shot. As a new as a new tennis player, that seems frustrating. It was. It's very. It is. Uh, it is frustrating. Um, so that's why I got myself a ball machine, but I, you'd probably play against a trumper, wouldn't you? That's how desperate you are. Uh, you know, you a little, I, little, I, little, little MAGA I, rally. Fuck it. Right. Well, I mean, my hope is I don't have to talk to people enough to even find out their politics. <laughs> There's no, Jason, first of all, there are no Trumpers in in, yeah. in at Sea Ranch, sweetie. That's not the vibe. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It's, that's what the mainstream media wants you to believe. <laughs> exactly. That's what the lamestream media is telling you. But I'm happy for your relocation, and Jason and I will be taking a trip up there to see these courts yeah, uh, Nick, in 2021. You, 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 like, all of this sounds really good. Like I honestly am planning on taking a trip up here, getting the Airbnb, and living the ranch life sooner than later. I mean, it's probably cold as fuck there right now, though, right? You want to know, this is, this is why it's a retirement destination. Is it mm-hmm. honestly... It's in a, you know, and I think I've even heard you talk about it possibly, or maybe Jonah Weiner, the homie who's also a friend of the show, was talking about. Yeah, he told us, he told us about one of your little tennis injuries, which we'll get into uh, that yeah. later, too. But the, the micro, you know, the microclimates of California is that Sea Ranch is in a very specific pocket where, um, which is also good for, for the fire situations, you know, knock on wood, but never gets higher than 80 or colder than 40. 
So it's sort of always, wow. so it's kind of always in this very pleasant zone where it will sometimes That's rain great. a bit. But, um, you know, that sounds really good for my Syrah grapes and, uh, and, you know, that terroir must be lovely up there. <laughs> it's perfect. How are, how is your harvest doing this season? Mm, I, I'm too new to, uh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. To, to feel like I've, you know, really cracked the sort of wine, yeah. the wine crew here. Um, are you a natty wine head? No, you want to, you know, I, no, I'm, I'm not, only no. not, not only am I not a natty wine head. I mean, no, I, I appreciate getting into things and to the details of things, but honestly, like, I feel like, and I think I, I consider myself a foodie, something I also know you guys have talked a bit about, uh, mm. sustenance eating versus, you know, sort of enjoyment of food. I really am on the foodie side of it, but I, I also do think I don't have a particularly discernible palate. Like, it's something I've noticed about myself. My wife doesn't like when I say that. Like, I don't think, I think I like, like talking about the wine. It's bad for the family You know, but it's like, yeah, it's just like, I just don't, I sort of, not that I have a trash palate. I'd rather you not share that. But I don't feel like it's, it's not, it's not as, um, yeah, it's not as discernible maybe as, as it it should be for a real wine drinker, you know, or a connoisseur of sort of any food. Okay, so... You've got the palate of you've got the palate of a of a three year old, but I have the I have the ambition okay. of of a connoisseur. Like I have, I you know, like I think that um, you know, just bringing up wine, it's like, oh, I'd love to get into into the idea of it, or I'd love to get. It's almost with like any anything this you know watches car. Like I love the idea of it. I love the idea mm-hmm. of getting deep into something, and I think that Chris genuinely is a is a connoisseur of stuff, you know, he's an, or an aficionado of whatever your specific mm-hmm. lane is. I no, I do genuinely uh, like the idea of that, but whenever I get too deep into it, I, I don't know if I just like intellectually kind of tap out or, or something, but I do, it's hard, it's hard for me to like, get into like the granular kind of knowledge of so many things. I, th- you know, I think maybe I have it with, with my work. And how I well, that's good because that pays you. That's more important than the dumb shit we're into. No, but you know what I'm saying. It's like it's like when we get it. It's like man, I you know I get into Blackbird Spy Plane. I want to know all about you know Gorp Core, and then I'm like, I get three, <laughs> I get three, I get three labels in, and I'm like, that's for me. You know, mm-hmm. I can't go. Yeah, you you quit. You find what you like and you exit. But well, but I- Nick, you got to follow your bliss. If there's things that <laughs> if there's things that speak Great to advice, you and Jason. don't wow. speak to you. You just have to follow that, and well, I, I guess so. In the in the food world, yeah, or the food beverage world, what are some things? What what would you consider your palate to be best at identifying? Mm. You a sandwich guy? You a sushi man? Lasagna? You know, <laughs> lasagna? I think that you know. I mean, with food, I would I would like to think I can be kind of discernible with like sushi. You know, I live in L.A. Okay. I've had, like, very good sushi. I would like to think that I, I sort of can... Your boy, he just said he stay at Nobu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep yeah, him a table. I think yeah, that, that I'd be that okay. feels like a low-key financial flex, and I like it. But, 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 you know, like, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know... Well, I'll tell you, I, there was a period... I don't know if we were just flexing, but, you know, you go eat sushi, and you go to nice places like Sushi Park. But, you know, my wife... Uh, was sort of pescatarian, you know, that was, was dipping her toe in that for a while. And, mm-hmm. and she really was like, cause she needs the protein. She, you know, she needs the iron and she was eating a lot of fish. And, um, and then she beca- she got mercury poisoning. Damn. Damn. And that really happened. That, that really happened. And I'll tell you, mercury poisoning is brutal. First of all, it makes you feel terrible, but you also really can't get rid of it. Right. It takes, 
forever. Oh, it's, I didn't know that. I've, I I thought this was like an old wives' tale, to be honest. No, no, it literally uh, it it is very very hard to flush out of your system. It's not like oh now I stop eating fish or stop you know really uh, yeah I stop ingesting mercury. It's like no, she did it, and then you get it, and it's like you tip the scale, and it's very hard to get out. So we kind of stopped eating uh, fish for so long. But yeah, I would say like that was probably too bad because I'm sure they miss you at the Nobu Costa Mesa. (laughs) Nick, the things we do for love, you know what I mean? I know, honestly. I don't know if that would this man put the chopsticks down for (laughs) Bay. If she's saying if she's if if Bay says no black cod miso, (laughs) Uh (laughs) I'm going to the ocean and leaving her on the sand. Yeah, what we can have a nice chicken teriyaki instead. No, no, no. Okay, well nope. that's that's sweet of you, but she is she back on the on the train now and she's able to scarf down a little hamachi? Yes. Thank she God. can she can Thank have God. she can have some fish, but I feel like when you get that it's sort of you, you don't sort of full on back in, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that uh once that, once you contract a gonorrhea, you never really go full raw dog again. <laughs> that's true. But you know, I think that there's something about Obviously, when you get very into something and you sort of learn everything about it and you get really into the details of it, you become, you know, a connoisseur or whatever. I, there's definitely like a, 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 a personal, like, like a very private enjoyment I'm sure you get out of it. And I'm sure, you, you know, but I also feel mm-hmm. like there's like a lot of like, you know, not narcissism, but like, you know, the flexing on this, you know, the flexing on it and having other people know how much you know. And mm-hmm. I think that I probably probably if I were being really honest with myself was always like, Oh, you know, there's a bit of that, right? Like I'm sort of into something and, and I like that, that how that makes me look right. Like how the optics, yeah, of course. And, but then, but then also realizing quite at the same time, if I were to meet like, like someone real deal that knows it, I'm really kind of a dilettante. Yeah. But that's what how I you learn. I, Nick. Actually. Yeah. That's how you learn. I would say that Jason actually is, the way Jason is about food and the knowledge that he has about food, I think that the way he shares it and and deals with it is is very nice and democratic. That's like I've I've seen I've seen Jason obviously with me who's a fucking idiot and but but all of our uh, you know anyone in our extended world if they ask Jason a question about food or or it, nothing is 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 below him or above him to answer and talk about in a way that's like nice it, mm-hmm. it's it's impressive because i don't i don't talk down nobody likes what i like so it's fine like i'm not no one's gonna want to talk to me about gym blossoms for an hour like no one gives a shit but jason people want to talk about fucking mayonnaise and roast chicken <laughs> and fucking gia you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like but i've seen jason be I, the way he handles it is is very good i know other people like that about their things mm-hmm. as, as well like i think tennis is a good example like our friend jake who's kind of like a de facto tennis coach to us he he never talks to me like i'm an idiot when i'm asking him a question or it's always very like on the level no question is too stupid mm-hmm. and that's a very that's a way that i i think is is nice to be he does make us play with the big ball that's made for five-year-olds <laughs> though so that's true the red he, ball. he does it but also uh, the, uh, the, the, the 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 signaling of a connoisseur, you know, it could be taken as like trying to flex and feel superior or like peacock to others that you are more knowledgeable than the other people. But it's also a way of like if you are on that elite level of connoisseurship of anything, then you kind of are like terribly alone. And mm-hmm. by putting that information out there, you're kind of signaling to other people of like, hey, guys, like. 
I just know so much about like Japanese disco from the 1930s that, you know, there's seven of us out here who really know this level of it. And I have, if I don't share that with the world, then I won't be able to, you know, find the other people like me who I can have a real true conversation with. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, that's exactly right. And I, when hearing you say that, I'd like to surround myself, I guess, around a lot of those kinds of people that want to share this stuff. Yeah. And I love the information about it. Uh, like I love the, I love learning all of that stuff. And, but there is something and wine maybe would just that you sort of jokingly brought that up, but wine is one of those where it's so there's good and bad wine, right? That's as far as I go. And then there's, you know, like there's, I mean, I know the difference of, of certain kinds of wine. I, that's not really what I mean, but like when you start talking mm-hmm. to, about, you're already in saying that is truly about like, a just like very much discernible, like you're like yeah. the smallest amounts. And that's something where I'm like, Oh, like it's almost like I can't even enter that. And that sort of exposes, I don't know, something about wine really exposes you. I was do I was, uh, met actually, we did meet one younger couple that has kids that, that are, have been up here. And because they're up here, there's you can't really get COVID up here. And so we hung out with them and they, well, it must be nice. Dude, I'm telling there's nobody to see. That's why we're here. And um cool. and by the way, that's like famous last words. I mean, I dude, I'm gonna <laughs> knock on it. But they they By the end of this podcast you're coughing and you can't taste your I got your an amber water. I got an amber alert saying I've been in touch with somebody just by talking to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, yeah. I've been contact traced just by talking to you. Yeah, you'll get an you'll get an alert on your phone that says like you have to hang up this podcast. <laughs> It's within five minutes or there's a, a pretty strong chance you're going to get COVID from us. Yeah. The thing about wine, I actually think wine is more nuanced. To me, when you say they're good and bad, I think of like cocaine. There's good cocaine and there's bad cocaine. You know what I mean? <laughs> wine, I think the nuance actually – I don't even drink wine and I, and I was sober before the boom really hit. But it does seem like there is a lot more nuance to that than – But Chris, it's Chris, it's all relative though because – there's somebody out there who doesn't even know how to tell the difference between good and bad cocaine, you know? That's crazy, and then but you, you're right. You know, like somebody is like, I did coke, like, was that good? Was that bad? Is it supposed to taste like that? Is it supposed to make my, you know, shit my pants, whatever it is? Is it supposed mm. to make me divorce my wife? And then you're like, oh, like, because I've done coke with people who are like, oh, no, that one's not that good. I'm like, pretty good to me? You know, like, I don't know. And you know, it just it just goes down the the spiral as long as long as you want to go. I, I I look at it as like sense of humor. That's like the one like the main way that we all signal of like, are we going to get along together? And like that's compare true. that to everything else. Mm-hmm. That's of, true. Of, of, but like, I mean, you know, I th- all the wine, sex, all the cocaine, sex, music, sex. I'm saying S E C T, I mean, not S E X. Wow, that's rare that you, that's rare for you. Um, Look, I've got a, I've had an, sex on the mind, Chris. As a known as a known stick man, I, I'm I'm impressed that you're able to do that. Yo, fellas, y'all fucking y'all fucking tonight. <laughs> hey, fellas, Nick, what? So career wise, yeah. you know, because I'm I, Jason and I are very interested in breaking into Hollywood, and um, you've come to the uh, right know, place. <laughs> I'm pretty good. I, I've been told that to I should ranch. get in. I've I've been told that I should get into voice acting, so we could talk about that off off oh, pod. Why? You know, let's but, get into it. I mean, now we're in now we're in my wheelhouse. <laughs> but so, what do I need to do to break in? Because people have been telling me this my whole life. Jason's seen it. People recognize my voice on the street, like mm-hmm. they'll they recognize me talking. That seems like I should be in an animated film. I should be the next up, but it's not happening. 
So what what do I do? I need to get a special kind of agent. Can you help me? Like, what is the move? I, I podcasting can't be the end all be all for me. These fucking celebrities are taking my jobs. You know, John Hamm is doing the Mercedes commercial. I should be doing that. Chris, I mean, welcome to the life of a DJ. Good point. Also, Damn. the life of a podcaster. Yeah, shit. These fucking office ladies. They don't know how to podcast just because they're on the biggest TV show of the last 50 years. They can have the number one podcast. It's fucking it's bullshit. True. It's true. You know, <laughs> I think that you basically are already doing it with a podcast like this. I mm-hmm. At this point, there's he so much. He wants to do anim- it for money, though, is what no, he's but I'm, no, no, yeah, I, yeah, no, no, yeah. I, But what I'm saying is, like, you're out there so much anyway, and there's so much animation. I mean, this is, you know... We could talk about it and not talk about it, but there's this is not like a couple of years ago. Like there's so many adult animated series. There's so much, especially in COVID, when people can't make live action shows, right? When you can't go out and really be on set without having it be shut down. Everybody has been so um it's like look to animation, which has obviously been like is for me personally is very good. But I think that when you, there's just so many opportunities, honestly, it's just like knowing somebody and saying, put me in a cartoon. Like, I think that there's so, this is not. Okay. Well, I just, I just went on record as saying you to you, put me in a cartoon because you're, I know you did. You're, you're my only connection to the world of animation because I don't really like it. Chris, Chris loves cartoons. So he's been trying to, I don't like cartoons, for but I'm willing to, I'm willing to, you know, I don't want to like Jenny slate myself, but I am willing to be <laughs> in a, I'm willing to, I'm willing to participate in an animated series, but you also, you d- you also worked on the Jesus and Miro show, correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, I yes, I did that when I was uh, at Vice for for a while when I went to go help them sort of build out the quote Vice Land channel. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a cool wow, he had to quote it. it was, yeah, it was a cool. Well, the Jesus and Miro was the best part of the channel, which I give you credit for. Well, I I mean I I'm, I thank you, um, and I think that's probably the thing I'm I'm most proud of having done there. I mean, part of the reason I took that job was because I wanted to make Jesus and Marrow. I mean, that was actually part of, like, before I went and said yes to helping build that, it was, I'd already talked to Jesus and Marrow and said, can you get out of your contract at MTV because this is going to be the thing that I want to do. And if we can't do that, then I'm not as interested because I really feel mm-hmm. like they are, they're like, they're special, right? Just like mm-hmm. you guys, mm-hmm. but they are like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they have, they had something going on for Less so long. Timberlands, but yeah. You know, I think yeah, that uh, my, no, there. I mean, it's really great. I mean, I think the show. I, I think the show, especially when it was on Vice, was like peaking. I mean, I watched it, it every peaking. day. And on, then, and then when it went to Showtime, not so good. But you know, now you know the, the Vice days was real nice. Let me ask you why why you think that about the Showtime show. To be honest, I've actually never seen it, but I just <laughs> just the vibe. I think. <laughs> You know, it's it's weird. Like it was such a special thing, you know. And then like I I was lo- I loved Miro's like blogs when he yeah. would do the fake Ghostface music reviews and all stuff. I, I think Shit. both Legendary. of them are like so funny and they're so good at Twitter. They're so smart. They're so fast and they can just let it spray. But I think it was just one of those things where like when a a perfect indie band gets signed to a major and you're like, mm, it, like you know, it it loses a little bit of that secret sauce once the powers that be kind of put their I mean, foot into I it. Think, I think that's what happened to me. And that could just be me personally. I, I know exactly what it is for me. I mean, I, I think it is that the, they are so funny together. I think the interviews are the weakest link. And I think that 
now they're on Showtime. They're getting these giant. I mean, it's 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 insane. So the show is going to hinge more on the interviews because of who they're able to get. Where I think I would rather watch those two guys for an hour talking in front of a fucking screen is more than enough for me. They're fucking or they're or if they just had some random person on who they know is going to be a good conversation instead of like. Let's see if talking to this, you know, random person who doesn't know who we are over Zoom is going to work out. And it, you know, usually doesn't. So obviously, like, I'm, I, I love them and I'm still very close to them and I'm so happy for their success. And mm-hmm. I think making that jump to Showtime uh, is a sick move and an important move. I, I without saying anything bad at all about the show. And maybe it's like a way that we can think of how do you take uh, your guys thing and how do you break into TV? I'll tell you how, why I think it, it may not be as successful or hit as hard for you. And that is how I would probably say I would approach like anybody I work with, which is to go like, what is fundamentally like, there's a lot of things people love about Jesus and marrow, right? Like there, it is like a, it's like, it's magic. But what is fundamentally the thing that they do that is different and better than anyone else? And how we came up with the show was their takes, and you just said it, TJ, you know, what they did so, what they do so well is their immediate take. Like Mm -hmm. their Twitter Mm -hmm. way of connecting was probably faster and more astute and better articulated than almost anybody. Like you want their hot take at the second. Right. So when mm-hmm. we did TV, when we did the show, most important to me was that it was nightly. Right. If anything, I was like, I need to make it live. And it was we just didn't have the capabilities yeah. of it because I was like, mm-hmm. I want them to be able to talk about shit that's happening in real time. Can someone like keep a Twitter feed up while they're talking so we can <laughs> talk? But we just literally didn't have the like the physical production capability of doing it live. But I was like, that's what you want to do. So so I think when <laughs> I think when they go to Showtime and they pair back to one day a week, you're actually going against the thing. Many people can have writers. Many people can mm-hmm. have you know like. But th- what you want is the immediacy of what they do. And so while it still may be really awesome and fun and their perspective is really important. And again, it's, I'm so happy for the show. This is just Showtime's thing is that it, when I look at that, I go, it was playing against what they are so not just fundamentally good at and better at than anyone else, but the thing that actually makes them special. And when, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like for if like we were to talk about doing a TV show, like what would like how long gone look as a TV show? Part of what I would say you always look at is what is special about the thing that you guys do and how does that then translate out? Like, and it's, it's, it's not just obviously like I think camaraderie, like the way you make each other, like all that stuff is like, you need that, right? Like Dasha and Anna are, you need that already. Like that's mm-hmm. no one's listening if you don't have some rapport. So yeah. it's like, there's something under that's base level. That's base level. Ticket for entry, I think, is like what we would mm. say in Hollywood. You know, that's like I'll, I'll throw out the executive bullshit speak when I can. But I, <laughs> you know, I think that that's it's it's interesting to hear. That's why I just I don't talk about the Deez and thing with that many people. But I obviously think that it is a successful show. It does, you know, people love it, and it's really important that they do it. But when I think of like, oh, you had, I want I want more of them, and I want it more immediate. Like I want to see them respond to stuff. That's like that to me is what makes and why their Twitter pops so hard. Yeah, I listened to an interview with them when they were doing like their a virtual book tour and they did 
um, like Recode, this podcast. It was like an entrepreneurial tech startup podcast. Yeah. And it was just like this like random white guy journalist who was interviewing them. And they were just so quick and so – it was like watching, you know, two hummingbirds fly around um, <laughs> in a world of just like crows. It's just like, oh, these people are just so good at answering questions and talking and bullshitting, riffing off of each other. Like it's so special. And yeah, when you – like we have a writer's room. We have this and we have this and this. And you, you can't talk about this. You have to talk about this. And then it just shoots yourself in the foot. Yeah. And again, I want to be, you know, cause I, I, they may be big, how long gone fans, but, and I want to make it very clear. Like I'm, I'm like very, I'm very <laughs> into, you know, it, it's just, if I, when I think of, Oh, if I, if I were to give them that major platform and all that money of, of showtime, my mm-hmm. instinct would have been, I want more of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it yeah. nightly. Yeah. And same, I, same. I you know, and that's why, to be honest, I think it almost started getting, to me, like back into what the original version of the show was when they had to go into lockdown and they were on Zoom. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. you just start. Feeding. And I watch more of those. I definitely watch those. I mean, I love Jesus sitting in front of a sneaker wall. Yeah. Really sent me ever that that joke never got old to me. So that really helped. But I, I agree. I think that. I mean, I think late night television in general kind of benefited. I, I mean, we've talked about this on the show a lot, but specifically the musical performances, like. So much more interesting and cool than they ever have been. And, like, I think I saw stuff that I was like, this is fucking awesome. And, you know, I watch a lot of, like, I watch a lot of YouTube videos of bands playing on late night TV. It's a weird thing that I'm into. Uh, specifically, specifically British TV shows because they have better bands. But, like, you know, I will watch hours of Letterman performances from whoever I like. And as much as that was, I, I just feel like it, allowing the artist to take take it and like run with it and like produce something uh it, it just felt right it felt more of the time i really i really enjoyed that part of the late night during during mm. lockdown i think that's going to be the future of all of that i was just talking about too. that with um with my life partner about oh, like award shows like what's going to happen with the grammys now like instead of just like here's a stage and here's some dumb lights and pink is going to perform and then um kings of leon is going to whatever it is like they're just going to take like every every person who's performing here's a hundred thousand dollars. Go do something. Make us make us something special. Make a music video. Make a you know whatever it is, and then that is just going to push the artistic element so much more and make things exciting. And also will be the end of like society and human interaction and and all of that. Yeah, all of at the same well, time. I mean- who needs that when we can have, you know, Dua Lipa performing live, you know, in London somewhere? You know what I mean? I don't need society. I just I need, need to Dua. smell Dua. I don't want to just watch her on my fucking laptop, bro. <laughs> I understand. There's there's a scratch and sniff element that you're looking for and it's not it's not you're not I able need, to achieve. I need to step in that doo-doo. I don't want to just I don't want to see it on TV. <laughs> Also, we need to get to the bottom of your involvement with the Time Crisis radio show because sure. I feel like that's that's something people recognize you for. But I'm also under the impression that you don't you're, you're you're behind the scenes. Yeah, with Time Crisis, which I don't know if you spoke about earlier, but is the internet radio show that I uh, work on at Apple Music with uh, formerly Beats, uh, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend and Jake Longstreth and and Seinfeld 2000. So the way that came about is I had been working with Ezra on um, a cartoon, an anime called Neo Yokio, that mm-hmm. um, 
I want to go on the record as saying I did watch that cartoon and I did like it. As you did know, I. Well, I, I appreciate that because I know not big fans of cartoons. I appreciate that this one maybe broke through. And so I was working with Ezra on this uh, cartoon. And while we were doing it and we were spending just a lot of time together, he was approached by Apple, uh, by Zane Lowe to do this radio show when they were going to launch Beats. Zane Lowe. Zane Lowe. <laughs> and so he started doing it and I had nothing to do with it. Like he was just like we he was there and then he would sometimes come to the studio uh or Ezra would have um we'd be at the studio working on the cartoon um and they would record one and then he would always ask me listen to it and you know I and it really started off much more as a music right as he was like when Drake had one and Jaden had one it would mm-hmm. just be uh sort of a a little bit of talk but mainly set up for music um and sort of slowly it started to grow into something else when he had Jake Longstreth, who is an old friend of his and the brother of Dave Longstreth from Dirty Projectors, and they'd known each other for years. He would have this guy on, and it would be very funny. And then they took a break, and in season two, he was like, I don't want to do as much music. I, I want to do more talking. And he and Ezra asked me if I could come help him sort of produce how that would look, because we're like, maybe there'll be a little more form, like some segments to start off, you know, mm-hmm. like what, you know, something that allowed it to grow into something other than just like, and here's this new song and let's go to it. So I really was there to like help him sort of move more into what would be like a podcast or talk kind of radio thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that started to happen was when we were doing it all in person, because I really don't like the sound of my voice. I really don't like this. Is, this is why I said you have to help me set up this <laughs> mic. I don't do this very often. Like, I don't like being in front of the camera on mic yeah. is I would I would basically sit by him. And I like as they would talk, I would basically do if you listen to Howard Stern, what like Fred or Gary, you know, Baba Booey does. And so I'd sort of be next to him and be like, here's these ideas. I'd pull up articles from him or I'd pull up stuff and he would talk about it. And so I was very involved that way. So if you listen early on, they'd be like, oh, Nick just brought over this thing or Nick did that. And I would really say very, very little. And then when quarantine hit and we started doing it all this way on Zoom, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't do that. Like Ezra wasn't checking like his messages Right. Like he was he's talking, so he's not checking the text thread. And so mm-hmm. and, you know, that would be another you were, thing. You were forced to you. So you were forced to, to speak up. Yeah. I'd be like, well, I just read this thing about McDonald's. And so then it's like that's when so I try to be. But like when there's interviews and stuff, I really step back. But so, you know, part of how I see my and I've never talked about it, but part of how I see my role in it, because I don't like to talk that much, is what I like to do is sort of chime in with something that I think, as a producer, would that will just keep the conversation going, you know, mm-hmm. or like turn the conversation. So if I say this, this is going to give, I know Ezra will have a take that's interesting or funny, and then Jake will have, and then they'll all start. So it's really like there to sort of help shape it in in a way mm-hmm. you know you're the point it, you're the point guard you're here you're there to pass the rock you're not there to slam a dunk down exactly that's how you know because i i think that there's much funnier than me and they have such a good rapport but i do think that there's when you're doing something that has no like what you got what we're doing right now i mean we don't have 
we have like a, a sort of a run of show, but not really. Like mm-hmm. there's point topics we'll, we're going to probably try to hit. And if I, you know, if we're going to do reader emails or anything, we'll pull those out. But yeah, I'm trying to give some shape to something that is sort of formless. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Our run of show is just a PDF that says smoothies with a question mark. And that's it. It hasn't, it hasn't been updated in eight months. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, unfortunately, that's where it started and ended. No, Jason does. I look, I, you know, I have to keep it real with our, with our, you know, devout listeners, but, you know, I, I just show up and go. Jason does a little more preparation, um, which, which I love him for because he does fall into the producer role of this podcast. Do you not have a, like a text thread you guys run through that's sort of just like, yeah. where, where you'll be like, oh, this shit was interesting. Did you read it? It's like you guys really go in blind. I think to be honest, I think to be honest, there is we talk enough and know each other well enough where we're going to see probably the same things to talk about in the you know during the day, and we'll bring those up when when we feel the need. I, that yeah. does that sound reasonable to you, TJ? Yeah, and also since we record four podcasts a week, it's just you know the. The, the the balancing act of whatever's going on is always held up just automatically. We're mm. just always we're just always cycle sisters, I guess. We're cycle sisters. That's really what it comes down to. But I do think that <laughs> But but yeah, but but you know, just like you were saying with or what we were saying, maybe what I was saying about the secret sauce of, <laughs> of Jesus and Miro when they moved over, like if we did start doing that, that might make our show worse because, you know, you're getting in your head about it. It's like when yeah. you're learning how to serve a tennis ball or or hit a golf ball mm-hmm. and somebody's like, okay, keep your head down, eyes straight, left arm here, bend this knee here. And then you have to think about so many things to just do this natural action that it becomes unnatural and it fucks it up. It does. No, that's real. That's real. I think that... I mean, I just, I'm going to be, a, I'm going on this podcast that's being developed by Spotify now by one of our friends. And it's like, you know, I just had a pre call and they send me a document with all the, you know, it's, it's really involved on a production level. And it's nice to do that every once in a while, but I don't know if I could do that all the time. It, it just doesn't, it takes the fun out of it to me a little bit. Sure. If it's that, if it's, if it's that serious. But like my old podcast, Public Announcement, I mean, my partner James and I, that shit was like fully crazy, scripted, edited, like took hours and hours and hours. And it was really fun to do in a different way, but we just couldn't, that we couldn't keep up. Like you can't do that unless you're making real money because it just takes so much time. Mm-hmm. So this to me is like the happy medium. And do you guys not make real money from this? <laughs> we, no, we, we do make money off of this, but. It's not enough. Luckily, I'm independently wealthy uh, from some of my other projects, investments, and some of my just good decisions I've made. Um, I, I definitely have a goal that you know for this year to hopefully grow it into a place where you know we don't have to rely on outside income to supplement our how long gone. Books. So I want to ask you a real question about this because I was when you were talking to Dasha about it too, and and I thought you had a really. It was it was smart, you know, and thoughtful of this Patreon versus ad supported. Mm-hmm. And yes. if you guys went Patreon, do you think like when I when I see like my friends that have done this and like I look at their numbers on that thing, I'm like, damn, like you're all yeah. are making yeah. some some money. Uh, do you feel like is there growth there? I mean, is it I, I guess like do you really feel that if you went to Patreon like subscriber supported just like fans that it would not be as successful for you as doing ad supported 
I just don't think it's cool. That that's really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I just think it's cooler. I, I I don't. I mean, I think that also. I feel like what happens with Patreon and Jason and I talked about this a lot. Yeah. I think that you. And we have we you know the episodes that are just Jason and I actually do really really well yeah um and I think the problem but we personally enjoy talking to guests and that to me is the the reason why we do it sure but if you start you know if if it's about to me if it's Patreon shit it's if Jason and I could do that three times a week me and him and make you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars that's great but I also don't want to do that I that's not what I signed up for right. And I, I think there's something to be like, I, I absolutely believe that if we switched over to a Patreon business model and we, you know, if we do four episodes a week, two of them are behind the paywall, two of them are available to the public, we would absolutely be making way more money in overnight than what we're making from advertisers. But we've come this far and it would be nice to do it, you know, to try and really make a go without ever having to do that. And I, there's something. You know, luckily we have the the privilege, or you know, we're able to, you know, do it that way instead. You know, and still be able to keep a roof over our heads. Yeah, but I also think, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think any of us. Jason, and I didn't get into this to like quit our jobs and be podcasters. It was like, if if you know, that's not. I think that's that's just not necessarily a street I'm even interested in going down. I think that seems a little boring. To be totally honest, you know, I, I, I just don't think I don't know. Patreon has always turned me off, even though I'm not I, I I also subscribe to stuff via Patreon. So I'm not even it's not like I'm that opposed to it. I know I heard you talk about like the digital panhandling. I there's something I find there's something culturally or psychologically that's very interesting about like ads being cooler than sub than being supported by the fan like that almost feels like an inverse of 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 something do you know what i mean like that yeah i mean like, it's I, like I, like I, inverse like sellout culture which i think is cool i mean i think that that's i like you've drawn look i like anybody that is um i like i like certitude i like uh sure sure i like how and i like people that are definitive i like decision makers yeah yeah yeah. and i like that you've drawn a line in the sand i i I, yeah i I think i just think it's cool and i also think that there's two different styles of of media or people to where it could work so like some you know we're not the kind of people that the world is super eager to give money to yeah that's also yeah let's be clear chris chris is not but People don't want to pay to get shit on by me. That's not really interesting to them, I don't think. Right. The, the, we don't. People don't simp for us, and I think that's what they like about us. Like that, we don't. We're not those types of people. And also, once you turn that Patreon faucet on, you can You kind of can't really turn it back off. And then, yeah, you. You know, there's something positive about being held accountable by the people that give you money to. You know, you have to adhere to the schedule, and you have to do this, and you have to do a good job, or else I'm going to not give you the money. And being held to that is also—it's kind of not cool. The golden handcuffs are not cool. They're not Cartier. Yeah, it's just—it's <laughs> just not cool. Uh, <laughs> and you know, if you if you if you value and you privilege coolness, you know, we're as as uncool as we are. But I, I think that's like a through line of like once you you have to you have to have some of that. Jason and I both have shot shot ourselves in the foot many times by valuing coolness over other things. You know what I mean? But I think podcasting is inherently uncool. Yeah, podcasting, <laughs> everything about it is inherently uncool. Like it's just not. That's just not what it is. Like it's not. What if we change that, Chris? 
<clears throat> we are, but it's not music. It's not television. It's not movies. It's not sexy in the same way. Um, television is not cool. Uh, I disagree. As a as a cord haver, I I love television. You you still pay for cable? I pay for cable and an apartment I pay for that I don't even go to. That's how much yeah. I love cable. <laughs> Yo, God bless you. I mean, you're. I, I just think that I also think it's just we're we're men of a certain age too. I think it's like. I don't want to, I don't want to know how much money people are making. Like this big Substack thing that everybody's talking about, you know, with all the them listing the ranking and stuff. It's like that's pretty crazy to do. That's like putting your business out there in a way that like you have no control over if you want to use that platform to make money. Yeah. That scares me. I just don't want to be a part of something like that. Like I I I I just don't I don't want to do that and and if it's going to take longer, it's going to take longer. We're in an interesting moment in the media, I think, and, and the, the pathways are different than they were before. And I actually don't fault anyone for choosing a path. I just think we chose this one, and it seems like the less popular one. No, I mean, look, I think this is lit- this is my job, and it is what I think about most often. And it is this idea that you can support yourself. Like, when I look at those Patreon numbers, I look, for, look here, let me put it this way, is that much of my, my life, my career has been if I see somebody – like a Jesus and Mero operating on, on whatever space they're operating on, right? But like on, whether it's Twitter, whether it's a podcast and going, all right, how can I help you make a transition to TV, help you glow up, help you get higher production? How can I be helpful to you in doing that? That's been my job. And it is, it's how I've looked at, and, and that it just happens to be that I, I work in TV, right? Now, how the models have changed I, so many people, and it's not just because of podcasts. This is starting to happen with like YouTube or something, right? You'd see some, for like, you'd see some like the workaholics dudes would be making these sketches. And then obviously they're like, oh, I want to make, have a Comedy Central show and make workaholics or whatever version of that is, has mm-hmm. been the model. And then you get to a point where you're like, well, why would you want to make TV? Yeah. Like I've had more, you know, I think that there's still this like feeling that it's special. And maybe that's also Chris, like even younger people, not just us, like, you know, our age, but like, there's a, something is interesting that you can go to somebody and say, we'll do this. But the reality is that you probably could make more money or certainly have just like more independence getting on, you know, Patreon, like spitting it, you know, for an hour twice Mm -hmm. a week. Like that is, that's amazing. And it's, it is like changing so much that it's, it makes, it's like an existential crisis, right? Like I feel like mm-hmm. I, I know my value and I know how I can help people grow. And so, you know, if they want to, but then you're like, well, why would you now in this economy? Are there, but I mean, have you actually had the experience of approaching someone and be in the hundred percent? Nah. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, and are those, oh, oh yeah. So you're, you're seeing more of that you ever have. And these people, and you're saying these people aren't even necessarily like young, young. These are just people, people just are like, I make more money. I don't need to do this. Exactly. I mean, it may be because Jesus and Mero are older now, but if Jesus and Mero had had the podcast, had had a Patreon, mm. yeah, that would make Red Scare, that would make the, you know, all these, play, it would make yeah. them all look small and they oh, would yeah. be, making i would almost imagine making more money than they're making from the showtime show 
it straight up shit. twice a week. And because people want to give money to these guys that they love, they don't want to give it to Showtime, who will then give a small percentage of that to these guys. And, and also, yeah, and we're also Showtime is supporting a giant, and I'm sure they do very yeah. well, but I'm saying Showtime's supporting a writer's room, a set, all these things. I mean, these shows are expensive. Showtime yeah, yeah, also, yeah, Showtime also, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, you know, like for, for what it's worth, like the Viceland version, like I watched that shit on my computer and it wasn't a big deal. Like I could easily watch it. Like Showtime, you have to pay for it. Like there's no way to consume that show without paying for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and look, they still may say like you, there are people that go, you know what? I know what my reach looks like. I know I'm growing bigger, but that's a really, it's, this is like a, it's a weird place to be, but I definitely remember even on like, there was this, like these YouTube, like animation, like that's where you'd find a lot of like young animators, right? They would be like mm-hmm. making, they'd be on this thing called new grounds or they'd be making these YouTube at home alone and they'd get like five, 10, 15 million views, you know, uh, for their, you know, per lip, and literally three minute animation they've done. And I definitely went to a couple of those guys early on and said, I'd love to figure out how to help you. And they're like, nah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, I make nah, that we, in, we straight, bro. We, make we that animate in a week, over dog. here. Yeah. yeah and yeah, you know, like, like that's something that's like, and that's a, the, in the last, within the last, like, let's say under 10 years. But now that there's so many places, it is this, the idea that you can, and this is a, a thing I think a lot about because then I go, well, that's amazing, right? Like that you can support yourself. If you guys did say, Hey, we want to turn the, we want to turn the faucet on. Fuck it. No TV. We're going to make this our job. And you think you can make a real decent living. If not like a, like a, you know, a well, be mm-hmm. a upper middle class <laughs> via the, um, <laughs> the not rich, you know, not but, rich, but upper uh, middle class. But, you know, let's, not, say, let's say, <laughs> let's say you could do that. And you did that. A, that's like so empowering. Like that's insane. That's so mm-hmm, cool. Totally. But at the same time, I started going, I, I don't know. I have this weird feeling like over, I don't know if I started thinking about it over the holiday. Cause I'm like, had more time to engage with a lot more podcasts and like read a lot more stuff, Substack shit. And I go, what happens when that is over? And all these people have been like doing great. Like how long does that last that the community will just support someone and all of your, all, all of your financial and emotional security are in yeah. just the just the fans, and I I don't know. I was like, what happens to that twenty? Like it's then to me, it sort of had this feeling like everyone here, because then I you know I think about rappers all the time that I was like they were so big, and then you're like oh my god they I don't no one even remember, and then I'll you know people will just be like yeah they they. They're nobody anymore. These young, you know, kids will be like that person I don't ever remember. And you're like, that was three years ago. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. So, like, what happens to all of these people that are like doing pretty well? They're all going to be like, not that they're all going to be, you know, um, chingy, but they're all going to be <laughs> like, are they going to, like, what happens in like 10 years? And you're like, oh my God, I was so successful on this thing, but. I don't. There's. I can't explain it, but it's got me. It has me. Well, I, I out. think we'll see. Go ahead, Jason. Dif- but, uh, different, different um, uh, artistic platforms like that have different, um, like life schedules or you know exp- yeah. expiration dates. And if you're going to be a rapper, if you're going to be a DJ, if you're going to be you know all these things that are fun and exciting, you know it's a young man's game, a young person's game. And then after a while, you know nobody wants to see sixty year old Chingy. 
But, you know, something like doing a podcast is something that everyone will enjoy from the ages yeah, 8 to 80 and anyone can do it and most people will fail at it I and think, the cream really does rise to the top. I think we're going to see a renaissance of big media is what I think. I think people, all these people are going to need jobs again when they stop getting the subbies <laughs> and they're going to go back, they're going to go begging for their fucking jobs back and we're going to see a renaissance of, you know, blogs because well, that's what we're doing right now. Well, yeah, and I think, like, what I guess, like, what it another way of putting it is that when you have all these gatekeepers, which I'm not saying are good or right. Right. Like I think there's something like said, so many, this is a, this is a pro gatekeeper podcast. So, so you got all these gatekeepers. There is, you know, there's 500 chingies and then there's one chingy and then he's like, Oh my God, I'll be famous forever. And then you're not famous forever. Right. Like that happens mm-hmm. all the time now because, and then the everyone else then gets like a job. Now you have so many people go, I don't need a job because I can do this. And maybe you figure it out for a while, but then it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a delayed, I don't, and this isn't right, like a delayed adolescence or something, but it is going to, there's going to be all of these Similar. groups of people that are like, I've supported myself this way. And at some point, everyone will go, oh, that, that didn't last. And now I have to figure it out. And that's just not sort of how it was before. Before it'd be like, everyone moves to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. One or two people get that break. The rest of people go back home or figure out what they're going to do. And a, again, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to be on a pro gate. I'm a gatekeeper, so I guess I'm proud to be on a pro gatekeeper podcast. <laughs> but I'm also like, I love, I I do get so like, I'm I'm very enthusiastic about the fact that everyone's able to like make some money, right? Like if you got yeah, it, you yeah, can. Like I, that's I cool. Think, yeah, that micro economy shit is cool, but it is like. I don't know. I had this like horror nightmare of like what happens, you know, when when all that and maybe it is what you're saying is back to well, big media. What, but, but this is what they've been talking about with influencers for fucking since they came around. And yeah. influencers are probably making more money now than they were pre pandemic because, you know, these brands can't shoot campaigns. They can't do what they're doing. So they're sending stuff. You know, it's 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 true. We it's, are. Yeah, exactly. Us, us influencers. Yeah, I have a big shoot tomorrow, actually. <laughs> if, if you guys are wondering, the clothes did arrive. So we're good. But the. The um, I, I do think that I, I do think that people want to see this. I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to exist for a long time in different ways, and it's going to take shape and change. But like, I mean, look at Substack. That shit hit like during pandemic, and now it's a household term. Yeah. you know what I mean. That existed before. But if that you literally can, hit- if you can do that, if the if the chance or the opportunity is there to take that, why wouldn't you? Because if you're able to do it successfully. Even if you fail, whatever, but if you're able to do it successfully, you're able to set your own rules and guidelines and boundaries for how you want to live your life. And it's not being set to you by voxmedia.com or whatever conglomerate that runs your life. You can, you can work as much as you, you can work as much as you want. You can, you can live. You can work to live, not live to work. And you can, I I need this much money to have a happy life and I can make that money. And then, you know, I want to be able to whatever you know. Jason, go, why go you, fishing? Why you, take the kids to the beach? You know, why work, did Jason just turn a into a wellness influencer? What say, the fuck? I want, I want to suck say my something. dick, Chris. Suck my and, dick. And Are I, you anti-vax, Jason? Hold on. <laughs> I, I, so, I wanna, so, so for the record, I, I want to go, go on the record and say, having listened last week to a bunch of the the pod, I think that Jason, I, I'm a, I'm actually like very aligned with Jason's sort of much more positive outlook on life, and I think that he has a low key well, like a, a a wellness kind of thing going on constantly, and that 
Chris, you, you tamp it down. And I, I'm actually, you know, not that I'm like team TJ, cause obviously I like you, but I think I'm much more aligned <laughs> to his positive outlook. But obviously I like you. Well, that's, I mean, that's when you, when you were talking about like distilling down the fundamentals of what makes things work and then, you know, doubling down on that and exploiting it to success. That's one of our things of like, you know, one, one person is living to work. One person is working to live that yin and yang duality is something that every person I mean, is dealing with on a, on a day-to-day yes. basis. And it's so fun to see both of them, you know, combating each other because that's just like the cycle of life. And yeah. And without me, Jason would be broke. So it's kind of like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, kind of like, without you know, me, Chris would be canceled and we need <laughs> exactly, each other. Yeah. The, the, yes. There, yeah. We, we bring, we both bring some. I'm a blue table. whale <laughs> and he's a parasite that keeps, keeps, you know, without yeah. one, I'm the host. I'm just, I'm just your little plankton bitch and I'm sucking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's uh, yeah. you know that yin and yang, uh, you know. But I think creates that, a, I think something that, nice. But I also think there's something to be said. I mean, I think when you talk to someone as much as Jason and I talk to each other um, and spend time together, there is like a, you know, all of this is very authentic, unfortunately. But when you talk for th- when you talk for three or four hours, authentic is good. But I mean, when you talk this much to each other and about all this stuff that's happening, you know, especially in the last year. I think you it's almost impossible to not be yourself. Like it would be exhausting to try to do this and like kind mm-hmm. of oh I'm going to frame it this way or frame it that way like we do let it spray but for the, the most part. The showbiz voice doesn't was was Yeah, and even gone if you're being even if you're being facetious and I'm like being funny sometimes like I I don't I, there's obviously truth in it. You know what I mean? There's obviously like yeah, I I don't I'm dead serious. Like I don't know what to do if I'm not working. It seems boring. Like I, I don't have any, I don't have any interest in taking days off. I don't have any interest in unplugging. I don't give a fuck about any of that. I don't care. And there's like, a lot of people put- in the world who are just like that, and they can relate to him. And when he makes fun of me being a pussy, they're they're like great validation. <laughs> Jason is a bitch. That's awesome. And then all the people that agree with me who hate Chris get great validation every time I say something bad about him. And the circle of life continues, and it, we continue think, to make is- all this money. It's great. Exactly. But I think it's also I think that that what you were saying earlier is true, though. There is the camaraderie element. Like if if you if people couldn't tell that Jason and I were truly, truly great friends and really love doing this, they wouldn't listen. And it's the same thing with Dee Samira. You can tell they actually respect each other and really enjoy doing it, even though at this point it's probably like a band for them. Sure. It's like, hey. We do this when we're together. We don't talk that much. You know what I mean? That that's how it works. But I've, I mean, as coming from the music business, that's so common. It's like, yo, we make money together. We really like each other, and, and that's real. And that's why this works. And it might change and and change shapes in the future. But like, that's what people are actually drawn to. Sure. Like that. That's really what. That's really what it comes down to. What, what, and that's You're talking about a little thing about, called love. I'm talking about a little thing called love. We're you not know, talking about Crow's Netflix's voice. love either. No. no, we we will we will happily great show, but yeah, I think that I think that that's what it comes down to, and I think that that podcast like, but that's a question for someone like you. So you're in development. This is what yeah. you do. You find things, you make them, you 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 walk them to you you walk them through the process. Sure. Somebody like Dosh and Anna. So that that podcast, Red Scare, is a fucking hit. It's obviously pretty edgy, and it's like can get extreme, and it turns some people off. But that's. To me, that's what you need to be successful. You need to have some edge to, yeah. for people to care. I'm going to go does pee really ha- quick. Talk amongst yourselves. Does yeah. that does that have wheels? Like, does that have? Why has that not gone to television? Why has that not turned into Bill Maher? Well, I mean, there's something 
and not to get conspiratorial about it, I, I've talked to Dasha a lot about it, and I've had these thoughts going in into those conversations, not about TV, but just about like how would this work and why would it work? Yeah. Or why would or would it not work? Honestly, I think that there's specifically with Red Scare, I've talked to so many people and look, I feel like I've turned a lot of people onto it. I was turned on to it yeah. by other people in, in, you know, media. When you talk about it, people don't want to say that they watch it and they don't want to promote it. It's like, I think yeah. that it's like, by the way, that also may be what adds to its success is that there's a feeling that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a little bad. It's, not, it's, it's, it's like, it's like little... the, that the liberal elite, it's like, you know, yeah. that the, you know, that there's a, a feeling that the, if you're like, how do I, how would I say this? That if you're going to, that you wouldn't even say you'd talk about it. You wouldn't even share it with a friend because you'd be worried. Yeah. Would you be too worried? Would they, would, would, how would you be perceived as? Yeah, it? no, it's like a, it's like a safe space. Like you have to know somebody's going to like it before you would talk about it with them. Yeah. And I think that that's, that is certainly very hard for, um, the, for Hollywood to, yeah, to sort of swallow. And so I think that, you know, there, look, get into sort of the psychology of Hollywood, but there is a very strange thing where there's what Hollywood says it wants and what it will actually do, you know, in terms <laughs> yeah, of sure, sure, is, sure, sure. It cuts, cuts many ways. But I think that in terms of like, yeah, we want diversity. What does actually diversity mean? It never actually is, you know, the thing that I think probably actually will benefit so many people. The same thing where it's like, we want, uh, we, we want something edgy that will get people watching, but it can't be too edgy because then it will turn it. So it's, it's Hollywood in some ways is in certain, certain parts of it are, are I think trapped, uh, have painted itself into a, it's, it's a corner. But I think that for them, it, that is a, it's an interesting thing because also I think a lot of red scares fans sort of love that is kind of like naughty or something. You know what I mean? They love yeah, that. For sure. But so, it's that's to me yeah i think it's an unusual case and i think it's obviously very different and not to compare it to Jesus Samira, but i do think they have that following that level of cult following where it's like i like there are people that really fucking care and there's like a girl out there who like lives in manhattan and just moved there and those are her idols and to me it, that is like a that is you know that's the that's the audience you want for television. That to me, that that's who you want. No to hook joke. In. There's there I there is a very I could see a Red Scare FX late night show. Yeah, pretty easily. Um, but again, there's like it's how it, in in a way that almost may seem silly. I think Red Scare would be putting someone would feel they were putting. They, themselves on the line in a way that you know they may not want to and yeah yeah for sure. I, I appreciate it i appreciate where everyone's at when they're making you know like i just i could see in a meeting an executive board meeting and everyone's like all right guys new ideas new ideas and everyone's like red scare and someone's like oh yeah i listen to that and someone's like oh no tell me more about it and they play it's like let's give them a show and people be like this person's insane right <laughs> but it's also it's also i think that's the other problem uh, not problem but i think that like 
it, with a podcast specifically, it's like, where do you go? Like, you can just be a big podcast and make a lot of money. It's like Mark Maron does that. I mean, he's an actor and a comedian or whatever, but his real income is from podcasting. But, sure. but, but, but the question is, is the question, where do you go or why do you need to go anywhere at all? Yeah, I – I, that's what I mean. I think it's like I don't think a podcast feels as valid as television or film or music or anything like that, even to the people making them. I disagree. I, well, to to me, uh, a podcast, especially one that happens multiple times a week, it's passive listening. You're in an AirPod with, while somebody is alone. It's a real connection that you have with the host versus like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie with my family or I'm going to watch The Office with my girlfriend. Sure, but what I'm saying to you, what I mean is that like the the world doesn't validate it in the same way. So there feels like there needs to be another step. Maybe I your think world. for a lot of your people. world. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Look, I think, but I what I was saying earlier is I think for a lot of people there's still maybe this feeling that you level up when you get a TV show, and totally. I do yeah. think that look, the, everyone does something different. I when I think of you know. Red scares like interviews and how they treat, you know, like that NYU professor, you know, that was canceled. I'm like, that's that I could see as a TV show. Like, that could be, there's a visual element to it. I could see how yeah. that would work. I can see how what Jesus and Mero taught. Look, I like them when they're just chatting. I think that you have to look at all of these things very, um, you know, individually and say, well, what is going on with, with this podcast? And is there something? Because I guess the thing I would say with t- with anything that you do is why are you doing it? Why would it? Why is the medium good for this? Something that happens in cartoons a lot, for example, mm. is you pitch an animated series. We're gonna go do the throat. We're gonna go do um, the how how long gone animated series. The first question you're gonna hear mm. by most executives is gonna be why is it animated. It's like the number one. It's the easiest question. It's like the lowest bar executive. You're in your development meeting. You're sitting down with Netflix. And, Hold on. Have they given me a check yet? They've already given me the check. No, I'm no to check. Get the check. No, no check. Okay, just to be we, clear. You, you and TJ have been talking, and you're like, we're going to make this animated series. You've hooked up with me. We got some artwork for you. You're going out. We're saying this is the How Long Gone animated series. Two bros. Talking about bullshit. It's animated then, because we're not hot enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was my first. That was my first thought too. Or Look, we're not really leading or, or, or too hot. Or too hot. Yeah, you're, you know, let the executive decide. Depends on who yeah. the executive is. Mm-hmm. But you're saying they're going to ask us why is it animated? I mean, that's the same thing to me. I think when people that I've heard that with like books, it's like no, that's an article. That's yeah. a story. That's not a book. Mm. It's a similar. It's a similar feedback. And and I think that you work with you talk to a lot of people in animation, and they'll be like, "I fucking hate that question." That's like some bullshit executive question. I will say that there's like truth is often in the middle. Yeah, and seems the, like a pretty good question. Man. I like that question. <laughs> but, yeah, but I think what there. So the way many people think about it is that are they is there like magic? Are they flying? Is it like is there a talking mm-hmm. dog in it? When the when I've always used as an example is like The Simpsons and the first season of the simpsons uh which almost there was no reason to be animated in that way because mm-hmm. it was truly just a, fa- a dysfunctional family right was that when homer chokes bart that <laughs> shit is not funny if it's live action and that for, <laughs> for, for, for to show that became like the 
the way in that became the central piece of comedy for me is you could show the frustration of this deadbeat dad because he's the son pissed him off and he's choking him. You can't do that live action. So that's a small thing, but that shows why it had what animation helped like brought to it. And that's what I would say with with it. So it's a, it's a big way of thinking. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, there's a talking dog or you did a crazy cutaways or you can't produce that. It would be too expensive. It can be small, but it has to be real. It has to be Mm. a reason you're doing it. And I think that when I, you know, when you talk about why would you make this a podcast or why would you make that podcast a TV show is what are you bringing that is special to it? And, you know, I was, it was very clear to me what I could help Jesus and Mero do if I surrounded him with the right people yeah, uh, totally. and why that was more successful in TV than just them doing a radio show. You know, I can have, I, they can have visuals. And by the way, they, I, it's not like it was that magic, you know, what, what my thought process was. They'd already had that complex show where they showed videos and you're like, Oh, I want to see the videos they're talking about. Like they, <laughs> you know, like I, they had already kind of beta tested it, but I think that, when you think of like, what would you guys want to do? Like, why would that be a TV show? Why, what is the visual and why not a Twitch show or why, you know, a stream, whatever. I think that that's how to think about it. It sounds like it's time for us to take it to animation because maybe what it is, is, is we kill one of us gets killed every episode by the other one. You know what I mean? And then we just, and then we're just reborn. So it's a different, you know, cause I think I could see you. Chris, you've been watching too much South Park. (laughs) You're, you're more of a Homer cat and I'm more of a Bart. So I could see me getting choked out by TJ in a non-sexual way, of course. Well, I mean, that's up to the executives. That's a good point. I'll do whatever. Look, if the check is big enough, I will absolutely do whatever it takes. Jason and I will have sex as animated characters if the check is enough. Yeah, 100%. I'm hitting raw. Jason, Jason, I, I speak for him when I say that. I speak for him when I say that. Um, <laughs> of course you do. TJ knows when to when to smile and nod. <laughs> Damn, that's. I mean, I think that's a lot of good information. I, I honestly wondered that because I know the process is a little more. You know, it's not just like magic. There's like a, a, a true thought process behind it, and I, I think a lot of work goes into development where people don't necessarily understand that unless they do this for a living. No, I mean, or are close to someone who does. No, I mean, look with Jesus and Mero. The very specific thing, if it's anecdotal, is that I'd known them because I'd worked with them through Ezra on Neo Yokio. And I, yeah. then, and I'd seen their complex show. And I, and then I was like, if they did a nightly show where they got to talk about everything that happened in like real time, that's a lot like this, um, ESPN show. And, yeah. you know, um, uh, that this guy Eric Rideholm produced. And I was like, well, if I get the guy that produced those ESPN shows, you know, you know, with Michael Wilbon and, and Tony Kornheiser, if we just basically do that, then we could probably just do the same thing, but about culture. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, I, you know, instead got, of talking about interceptions, we're talking about chopped cheese sandwiches. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so like, all that's like how you sort of start building the thing out and you're like that. So it isn't just like, go, go do it. I mean, nothing's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this one thing I've wanted to ask, cause I don't know if you want to wrap it up or not, but I, uh, and and I hope I was interesting at all. I didn't really get. I didn't tell any. Loved it, Nick. Loved crazy, it. Didn't Loved tell it. any big fucking Hollywood stories about being in the. No, we, but Marmont. you're. But you know what you you know what you are. You're a quiet Hollywood insider. My favorite type. Well, mm-hmm. you know if you and by the way, if you do want to answer with any questions, I also do talk too much. So I mean, I'm happy to answer any any questions. No, you. But, no, this <laughs> is how it's supposed to go, bro. But I, I I've been thinking. There's this thing that I listened to. Uh, uh, a couple episodes ago or whatever, where maybe it was in starting winter where Jason said he's always cold. 
and that his fingertips were cold. And your thought was that, or his extremities, his fingertips and toes were cold. Like the blood couldn't get there because he's six nine. And I've been honestly thinking a lot about it. I don't know if like I have this sort of like <laughs> Slender Man kind of thing, but I've been thinking almost all week. I've been like, how are your fingers and toes doing? <laughs> I do have a Slender Man thing going on. Um, I've been referred to as Slender Man multiple since, times since in my Slender life. Slender Man premiered. Is that true? I didn't even mean that for real. I just mean like when I think of these like long feet and I was like, oh man, those the blood not getting to the fingertips and toes is something that that was a very cr- real visual for me. So <laughs> oh, yeah. are are you cold? I guess the question I would be is, are you cold? Yeah, I'm 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 cold, but I'm getting better at warming up. I mean, I, it, it makes me realize that I'm just one of those people that is going to have to retire in Miami or or something like. I just I just. I just, just I love it. He when also it's warm. lives in LA where it's hot year round. So to, to retire in Miami, you're just gaining humidity. You're not gaining any heat. No, 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 no. Because every mo- I mean, sure, it's like 70 degrees outside right now. But when I wake up at six in the morning, it's you know 45, and that's cold I'm as chilly. fuck. And also in LA, there's no like the the homes don't really have insulation, so the the ambient temperature inside the home is not too much. You know, not too far away from the outside temperature, well, so it's cold. But I'm, I'm, I'm do, I'm taking the steps to increase my circulation. For those, for the those, main, the main takeaway is I, uh, the more I move my body, walking around, for doing those stuff, the warmer I am. For those listeners that thought we could go an entire episode of How Long Gone with Jason not mentioning ambient, you were wrong. He did finally, he slid it in, no Eno, but he did make it in. And, and, you know, that to me, that to me is our cue, our cue to wrap it up. Um, but, uh, thank you so much, Nick. It was a pleasure, honestly. It was really fun to talk. And I, I think we all learned a lot on this episode, which is kind of rare. Yeah. Well, I'm happy. Yeah, not only did we make a good podcast, I think we met a friend for life, Chris. Well, I think so. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, I really appreciate it when I got that email. I'm not often asked to do this kind of thing. And so when you know I get that Chris Black, you want to come on, I, mm-hmm. I think I responded pretty immediately. Well, look, there's a lot of people that are very jealous. They're not in your position. And I'm glad you realize that. Yeah. You know, I don't take this kind of, <laughs> look, I don't take it for granted. You know, Hollywood eats you up and spits you out, and I don't take it for granted. Well, for for a rookie, you did a great job. And how does it feel to now be a bridesmaid and a bride? <laughs> great, <laughs> excellent. Uh, yeah, thank All right, you, so much. you guys. Thank you guys. Don't hang up thanks, on me Nick. though. We'll you got to tell me how I send this shit off to you. So don't hang up. I need I need Jason to show me what to do. <laughs> <laughs>